Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. I hope all of you are doing well. It is a great honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you. Uh, I want to especially, I know we've been greeting all of you who are joining us for the first time, but it really is a great joy to have those of you who are Coming to our community for the first time uh, through the invitation of your friends, colleagues, whoever they may be, uh, we hope that today's talk will be an encouragement to you, as well as just give you some direction, especially in this topic of relationships. I know it's very hard, it's difficult to navigate through all that, so much is going on, but we want to be able to encourage you today. And I also know that some of you might not really have your faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you might either come from a different religion, or maybe you just don't have any religion with you at this moment. But uh, we want to just uh, offer another perspective. And especially um, if you are seeking, there's so many different things that we have experienced in our lives. And I always challenge people, you will never know what the best chashu bao is unless you taste it several and then you realize this is the best one. So we're hoping that you will be able to at least find some truth in what is being spoken because we're taking it from the Bible and that uh, many people have lived according to it and it has transformed their lives. So we're praying that that will be for you. So once again, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to hopefully you filled out some of the questions in that QR code that was given to you. So if you just look at it, there's a QR code right in front of you there. And uh, we would love for you to, as I'm talking, if there's a question that pops up, maybe there's some things that I'm mentioning that doesn't make sense, you can go ahead and uh, scan the QR code and then go ahead and write out your questions and we'll try to answer as many as we can uh, towards the end. So as you can tell, just looking over here, uh, this is what we want to see. Many of you uh, are really in a stage of life where you would love to be attached and find somebody that you could be in a relationship with and hopefully that you will be able to find those people. And I want to give you some practical things to help you in that process. And it's our hope and prayer, as many of you have been either on these dating apps or you know about them, uh, hopefully the Bible can speak to us in some of those areas. So I wanted to ask, start off and ask a question. Do you know how many social dating apps there are right now, currently? And I was just thinking there must be, I know some of the famous ones, and I was just thinking, how many are there? And I realized when I did some research, I was amazed that the number of dating apps that's out there, and not to even mention the websites and the dating services that we have all over the world. And so it is estimated that there are over 1,500, that's 1,500 dating apps that are right now currently being used. So try to imagine that for a moment. Another thing that I think will be encouraging, I don't know if it's encouraging, but just something to think about, is that in 2020, so this past year, there were over 26.6, so we're talking about almost 27 million smartphone dating app users. But the problem is, this is just for the US. And so can you imagine as there's close to 27 million people on these dating apps and those who are users, then the question becomes, well, how many are there in the world? And so as I was doing some research, according to some of the research firms, uh, there's one by Magic Lab and Statista, 
And they have said that there are over 270 million dating app users globally, worldwide. So this is my question. Why can't we find anybody? You know, out of all these people, why can't there be a match? So if you think about this, as we think about the global nature of this, do you know how much they're making? If you want to do a startup, this might be the area you might want to think about because everyone is looking for relationships. So there is some companies, the top companies, they're making close to about six to eight billion. That's billion USD in terms of revenue. Those of you who are familiar with these apps, you know that if you want more of that specialized and more of the tailored to you, you have to pay. So a lot of us, we're not going to just go for the superficial things, but we want to go deeper and find out what's going on. So we're looking at six to eight billion USD dollars in revenue. Now, I want to show you some graphs just to kind of make sure that we're on the same page here. You will notice that the global marketing, the dating app users, if you look at the year, you'll notice that from 2015 all the way to 2020, that it has increased dramatically. Now, I hope you guys understand that something happened in 2020, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, and therefore a lot of people were at home. Now, don't raise your hand, don't embarrass yourself, or don't be ashamed of it in any way, but I'm wondering how many of you actually opened up the profile in 2020. Well, if you did, you added up to that graph, all right? You made that graph grow because a lot of people were stuck at home. They were working from home. They had more time on their hands. And so they decided in that isolation and loneliness, maybe they'll check out a relationship. So if you look at that, you'll notice in 2019, it started growing more. And then in 2020, we see that increase. Another thing you will notice in this next graph is that in the global dating app market share, you'll notice that there are some of these apps that are more used than others so you could just look at it really quickly and this is that it's not even exhaustive this is just a tip of the iceberg the more famous ones and i'm wondering if some of you have profiles on any of these or all of them possibly so when you look at this the question that we need to ask ourselves still is why would anybody get on a dating app or some kind of online service what is the purpose behind that and I think there are a lot of reasons for a lot of different people. There are some who actually been in relationships and they realize uh, they just can't find anybody now after they've broken up. Some of them, it's just hard. They don't have the time. So it's just easier to cut to the chase, to cut through the chase and get to the point. There are a lot of reasons. Some of us, we still don't know what we're looking for. Uh, we might be just wanting to have fun. Some of us might be just kind of curious. But whatever the reason you will notice that because of the increase of dating app users, there's a lot of different issues that come about from that. And that's why we're titling this simply Swipe Right, because we want to be able to match with somebody. And what does that mean for us as we match with somebody? And what are some of the things that we should keep in mind? So I want to try to lay some of those things out for you. So with that in mind, I want to just give a disclaimer. Uh, because... Uh, Many of you know I'm a pastor here, and I was just thinking, I have no idea about these apps. And part of the reason is because I grew up in a time where there was no apps. I remember still when I was in college, we, we didn't even have email. It was barely coming on. So we had to do things the old-fashioned way. Now, some of you are like, oh, he's old-fashioned, but hold on. 
Every single week, I'm giving a talk. And so one of the things that I've committed myself to is that if I'm talking about something, I want to do enough research so I could actually know what I'm talking about to have at least some credibility. So this was my thought. Should I open up a profile? Maybe I should just open up a profile and maybe lie about my age and, you know, my height and all that. No, I'm just kidding. So I said, should I, should I open up a profile to do this? And then I was thinking uh, about my wife. And if I opened up a profile and she was thinking, like, what, what in the world are you doing? So then I'm like, oh, that won't work. Uh, maybe I'll try to fake it. And then I'm like, nothing's working. So I, I thought to myself, I go, wait a minute. We're talking about this dating app. And I am sure, I am almost positive there must be at least some people in our church who are on this dating app services. So I decided to inquire. So I began to kind of ask some people. And I found out some of them were on it. So I said, awesome. So I said, can you tell me everything about this app? What happens? What do you do with the profile? All the stuff. And they just gave me a whole list of things. And as I was reading this stuff, it made me feel as if I knew exactly what was happening. So the disclaimer is this, and I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, I have not opened up any profile in any of these dating apps. I just want to state that for the record, because some of you are going to be like, how does he know all this stuff? He must be on it. No, it's because I did some research, and some people who are on it gave me the information, so I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Now, with that being stated, uh, CNET, which is uh, kind of like a blog for and a website for a lot of tech stuff, uh, they actually did an article on uh, some of the top dating apps. And there was this article by Rebecca Fleenor, and she gave the app, the top app, she ranked them, and then she gave like a mission statement or the purpose of that particular app. Now, as you all know, the bigger purpose is just connecting people together. But each of these different apps have different purposes and different types of people gravitate towards some of those apps. So now I'm going to list about 10 or 12. Can I just, from the article, if you are on any of these apps, like I said, it's not to be something to be ashamed of or anything like that, but I want you to at least think about what is the purpose of being on some of these particular apps. So let's look at the first one. The first one is Bumble, all right? And it rhymes with a lot of words. I, I won't go there. A stumble, fumble. But bumble, it is best for confident women. I don't know why they put that. So uh, brothers or gentlemen, if some of you are wanting confident women, well, that is the place to go. Or those of you who think of yourselves as a confident women, well, that's bumble. The next one is Tinder, as many of you have on it. You know about it. You heard about it. It's probably one of the top ones right now. And it's best for quick and easy hookups. Uh-huh. So if you're on it, you might want to change your profile. All right. So the next one is OkCupid. And it says the mission is the, it's, it's pretty much the best free dating site. So if you're low on cash, you're on a tight budget, you might want to check out OkCupid. Here's another one. Hinge. Best for serious relationship seekers. So those who are not just goofing around, having fun, but who are pretty serious. So that's, that's another one. The next one they ranked is coffee meets bagel. What a great pair. Is that coffee and then bagel? That's hence, that's where they got the title. It's best for, if we, it's best for breaking the silence. So there are people who are really shy. They don't know what to do. 
And so here's an opportunity to start conversations. So the next one is habit. So it's best for misconnections. So there might be some people that you saw and then you didn't get to say hi to them or whatever. Or maybe you've known some people in the past and you haven't talked for a while. So this is for misconnections. Now, once again, I am not giving this list so that you can all try every single one. I'm just telling you how many are out there. Here's the next one. It's called The League. Okay, you want, might want to repeat this after me, the league, because this is best for people with high standards. So those of you who want certain external things or a certain amount of money, all that kind of stuff, then that is for you. High standards. Don't settle for anything less, right? Here's the next one. Clover, best for confirming a date. I have no idea what that means. But anyway, I guess when you set a date and we're going to meet and you do it. All right. The next one is plenty of fish. I like that. It caught the word, the phrase from the adage of there are plenty of fish in the ocean. So it's best for conversations just to get to know people. Here's another one. It's match. Best for someone with money to spend. So if you have just like disposable cash and you just want to spend it on people, then this might be the best app for you. The next one is eHarmony. And I would say that this is probably one of the first kind of dating app or website in the midst of all the other sites. Because I remember even in the 90s that this was one of the first things. And this is best for marriage seekers, those who are pretty serious. It was first started by Christians, but then they began to expand it and going beyond Christians. So this was interesting, the eHarmony. So... Here are the 12 that we're talking about. In light of all these apps, uh, the thing that I think oftentimes we forget is what do these apps foster in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives? You know, I think that there are many of us who do a lot of things without thinking through carefully why we're doing what we're doing. Now, of course, some of you just want to be connected with people. Some of you want to find that permanent roommate, that friend, that person that you can marry, all that stuff. But all I can say is, have you given some thought of what some of these apps do for your mind, your heart? And I think it's important for us to kind of think through this because hopefully uh, those of us who are listening right now, that you want to at least get to know people to start a relationship and hopefully and desiring to be able to end up in marriage so you can have a life together. Kind of like a story tell, a told story of a person, a man and a woman meeting together and being in this relationship. Now, that might not be all of your desires. Some of you just want to get to know people. Some of you might want to just have fun or maybe some of you are lonely and you're struggling. But whatever the reason, I think all of us can say that if we were to be on these apps at this stage of our lives, we want to hopefully find somebody that we could spend the rest of our lives together here on this earth. Now, there are several things that you have to consider when it comes to these dating apps. Now, like I said, I don't, I'm not against it. I, I feel like there are a time and a place for it. Uh, some of you are on it. And, you know, we hear these different stories all the time. Uh, there are many women in, inside the church where they look around and a lot of the guys, it doesn't fit their criteria. They're, they're not connected. With, they're not gonna, uh, they don't find this chemistry with some of the guys. And so what begins to happen is that they have to kind of look elsewhere. 
And then some of them are busy with work and other things going on. And that's why they will be open to trying out some of these apps. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being part of these uh, dating apps. But the question and the challenge is this, is the why. Why are you on it? Why are you participating in it? Why are you making that profile and explaining all this stuff about yourself? And so what I want to do is give you some of the things that I feel like are the downside of these apps. And as I share this, once again, I am not trying to judge you. No one is judging you. These are things to consider because some of us just sign up and participate without thinking about these things. So I'm just trying to introduce to you some of the factors that you have to consider. Now, once again, some of these things came out of just doing the research and finding out when I found out the process in which you sign up for these things. And then once you match with somebody or don't match with somebody, that's where I got some of these ideas, what the downside of these apps. So here's the first one. The first one is that it promotes superficiality. It promotes superficiality. So just think about it. Like, how are you really going to know the character of this person? You can't. So you pretty much have to go off on what we shared on that game. It's about their age. It's about their height. It's about their looks. It's about what they do uh, for a living, the kind of income that they will have. All those things are not wrong, but they're very superficial. There's something that you could at least start to get to know somebody about that, but it becomes very superficial. Even as I was talking to some people, I found out that there's a filter that you could actually put on some of these profiles and just find out it's a match. I didn't know that. I, I thought, oh, that's good. And one of them is to put a filter of religion. So this person was telling me as soon as they put Christian filter, all the good looking guys are gone. So I'm like, what is going on? Why is it that all the Christian guys don't have game? And, I, and that's a whole different seminar for another time and another place. But why is it that as soon as you put on a Christian filter, that all the choices starts dwindling down? So that's why some people take off that filter so the choices will be broader and better. I also found out that part of this whole app, the reason why it promotes superficiality is that you have to actually, from just the match, you have to then start a conversation. Some apps, you only have a week, or then afterwards, if you don't reply or whatever the case, then it just goes to back to zero. But the thing is that you have to start a conversation. So what are you going to talk about? Hey, nice weather. I like your profile pic. What is your favorite color? I mean, after a while, you're like, wait a minute, I'm 25, 29, 28. 30 something and why am I talking about this so some of these apps they actually give you questions which I thought was so interesting that they actually give you questions to ask a person to start the conversation so once again it's promoting superficiality that is very difficult to get to know someone in a deeper way now please I understand it's just the gateway or the door to get to know someone deeper but a lot of times we go on false assumptions on that, which leads to, I think, the second point of the downside. The second thing is this, that it perpetuates insecurity, that it perpetuates insecurity. Can you imagine if here you are swiping right all the time with people and no one swipes you and there's no match? That will just reinforce that you're not a good catch. And that's why all these insecurities come up. But think about this. What if you match and that person ghosts you? They don't contact you. 
Then that's when you start wondering, like, what's going on? Now, I'm not saying this is the reason, but I think sometimes there are different things on social media and even apps like this that fuel some of the mental health issues that we see, emotional issues that we see. Because what it's doing is that it is perpetuating the insecurities that we already have. I found out that as I was uh, talking with some of these people, that uh, setting up even the profile, it just brings up a lot of insecurities. Because think about it. If some of you look straight on and kind of, you're wondering, should I smile? But I don't want to smile too much. But if I don't smile, they're not going to, you know, so you're like, oh my God. And then some of you are like some of those pictures where there's a sunset in the background and you're looking from the side, you know, trying to make it really dramatic. But then you're wondering, what if they look at this profile and they're like, what about their other side? What if they have like a mold or something? So you're just like, oh my God, I can't do that either. So can you imagine trying to make a profile and it's taking so long just to pick the right picture? Like these are the things that continue to perpetuate the insecurities that we have. Now, the third thing is this. So not only pro uh, promoting superficiality, perpetuating insecurities, but it provides unhealthy expectations, unhealthy expectations. Just because you're on this dating app does not mean you're going to find someone. We all know that. But sometimes there are these expectations that we have but might not meet. Now, what do you do when you do match with somebody and you're there to really seriously find a relationship that will lead towards marriage? But that other person isn't. They just want to goof around, have fun, use you for a little bit, and then move on. And so this mismatch of expectation is something that I see as it begins to provide that in an unhealthy way. That's why sometimes discussion is important as you talk about relations. The fourth one is this. It proliferates self-centeredness. Pretty much in our hookup culture, in our generation right now, we have such a self-centered perspective about anything and everything. Like getting on some of these apps, it really is more of a fuel to feed our self-centeredness. Think about it for a moment. If you're not sure how you feel about yourself and then you get on these apps and all of a sudden there's someone who matches with you or who right swiped you, I mean, it feels good, doesn't it? And so I know there are a lot of people who just get on it because they just need affirmation or they like the fact that someone likes them or the fact that they match with somebody and then, but they have no intentions of a serious relationship. So it's all about them. It oftentimes fuels the lust instead of love. And I hope all of us understand there's a difference. And so one is very self-centered. The other is others focused, thinking about the other person. So in light of all this, I want to propose to you a different perspective on how to approach relationships. Some of you have been there and done that. And where has it led you? And right now, some of us are either heartbroken or we are repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And some of us, I don't know how many times our hearts have to be broken to maybe possibly get to a point where you say, maybe there's another way. So that's what I want to do. That in this afternoon, I want to propose maybe there is another way. And if you have never tried it, I want to challenge you to think about it and to even possibly give it a try. And so if I could just kind of summarize what I want to communicate today it's simply this, and it's going to be right there in front of your screen, is that we honor God 
with our relationship as we submitted to his leadership. What we're simply saying is this. When we submit all our relationships to God and then we put it under his leadership that he will lead us, God will guide us, then we are able to honor God. And I believe that this is how we want to do some of our relationships. So with that in mind, can I just uh, make one other comment? Because we're going to break up into huddle groups at this moment. But before we do, let me just make one comment, which I have mentioned earlier, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Is that there are some of us here who are not followers of Jesus Christ. And once again, it's okay. We're glad that you're with us. You're joining us to even hear a different perspective. But I hope that you understand some of the things that I'm going to share comes from a Christian perspective. And so a lot of the foundations are rooted in our understanding of who God is and the Bible. So you might disagree. You might not fully understand, and that's okay. I think you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to some of the things that you believe in. But once again, if whatever you believed in and it hasn't been working, I want to just challenge us to be open-minded to this possibility. Secondly, is I'm going to be sharing things here that I think some of us, as you're watching, that you might have, quote-unquote, I'm going to put this in quotes, violated. I'm fully aware that there's some of us who, I don't know if you're watching and if this is you, usually it's a younger crowd here, but some of us who might have been married before and divorced. Some of you come from divorced homes. And I want to make sure that we understand and as I will talk about some of these biblical principles, that no matter where you are, and even as I talk about it according to what the God says in the Bible, that there is nothing that is forever lost. I believe that God can redeem. And that's the whole story of the gospel, which is the good news, is that wherever you are, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever bad decisions you've made in your life, that God can intervene and help you in the midst of that. So with all that being said, as we mentioned, that we honor God in our relationships when we submit those relationships under his leadership. And so with that in mind, I'm going to break you up into huddle groups at this time, uh, three or four people. And there, there are a couple questions I want you to uh, talk about together. And let me share with you the purpose of these huddle groups. Number one, I don't want you to just look at the screen and hear me talk the whole time. That's the first thing. Second thing is that when you're able to share with other people, then you get different perspective, different experiences. You can share your experience and that it adds to the conversation. The third reason, I believe, is that when you're able to share with one another, you're building community and being vulnerable and it helps you to process what is being shared uh, through the message here and the talk. So that's the reason why we're breaking up into huddle groups. We'll have two. This is going to be the first one. And the question that I want you to talk about is simply this. Would you ever get on a dating app? Good, that's the first one. If you, if you are, just be proud and say, I'm on it. You know, I don't know if you want to give their screen name because it'll be awkward. Some of you are like, oh, you're on it too. So anyway, just go ahead and share if you're on it or not. And what are some of the pros and cons of it? I already mentioned some. Maybe there's some other stuff that you can mention that are pros and cons. The second question is this. Besides wanting to have a significant other in, in your life or in their life, what do you feel like is the real longing of a person's heart to want to find that special someone? So just going a little bit deeper and asking, what is it about 
be, beyond this whole just finding somebody, what is the longing that we do have in our hearts that's wanting to find somebody and having somebody? All right, so go ahead. I'll give you seven minutes. I'll go into your huddle groups and talk about these things, and we'll bring you back together and go over the principles. Have a great time. Welcome back. I know some of you were probably in mid-sentence when we brought you back. Once again, it's just maybe a discussion starter. If some of you guys are connecting with one another, you can contact each other and have some more discussions on that. But I want to just make sure that we're all on the same page because we're talking about relationships. And when we honor God with our relationships, when we honor Him in all that we do through these relationships, the best way to do it is to be able to submit that under His leadership. Let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. So what I'm going to do now is I want to give you some biblical principles, what the Bible has to say about relationships. So I want to also just be clear on this. There are many of you who might not agree with a lot of the things I'm going to mention. And once again, that is okay. But I want to also be very clear on this. This is not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. So I'm just kind of reading off on what the Bible says. And so I think it's important for us to even do our own study to begin to dig a little bit deeper, especially if you don't really agree with some of the things that are being said, and to get your own convictions on this. But let, let God and let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speak to you on some of these principles. So the first thing that I want to talk about is we talk about some biblical foundations upon relationship. The first thing that we need to know is that marriage is God's idea. The marriage is God's idea. Uh, one of the things that we forget is that from the beginning of time, before you were born, before the earth was created, God had this understanding that he wanted to create a man and a woman to come together in a covenant relationship so they will be joined together and then they will have children and they will flourish and on this earth to spread the goodness and the glory of God. That's his idea. That's his plan. But as many of you understand in our culture, we're trying to redefine what marriage is. And so the reason why this is important is because if it's a God's idea, then for us to try to change things up, there's going to be things that come along with that. And so we want to be able to submit ourselves to his leadership. And so he talks about marriage and we need to be able to follow through on that. The second thing is this, that God takes displeasure in divorce. In the Bible, in Malachi, um, Malachi chapter 2 verse 16 and also in Mark 10 9 it's very clear that God spe specifically says that what God has brought together do not break which is through divorce in fact in Malachi specifically God says I hate divorce now as I mentioned earlier some of you either are divorced you have family members who are divorced. Your parents might be divorced. And it's really easy to think, oh, is God displeased with me? And let me address that. I think about my kids, and now they're all grown up, but when they were young, there were things that I communicated in terms of my heart, what I wanted, what my wife wanted, kind of like things to follow when it comes to the rules of the Kim household. And when they broke those things, then my heart was broken. But that did not make me want to disown my children. In the same way, this is what we have to understand about God's heart. What he is saying, I do not 
want you to divorce or I hate divorce. It's not his pleasure. What he's simply saying is that's not his intended plan. But we're sinful. We make mistakes. We make choices that are not good. We regret things. That's just our nature. But God does not banish us away. And therefore, if some of you who know a people or you are in this situation, this is the beauty of the gospel message that God is redeeming all things for his glory. So once again, the first thing, as I mentioned, is marriage is God's idea. The second thing is that God takes displeasure in divorce. And the third thing that I want to lay down as a foundation is that marriage reflects Christ's love for the church. The marriage reflects Christ's love for the church. In the Christian faith, the reason why there's such a high view of marriage is because a marriage is supposed to show the world of Christ, His love for His bride, which is the church. That's why when you look into the book of Ephesians, that he uses that allegory, Apostle Paul, uses this allegory of a marriage, that Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And therefore the bridegroom is to love and sacrifice for the, uh, the bridegroom is to love and sacrifice for the bride and the bride is supposed to uh, love and honor the husband and which is Christ. And that's why this illustration that is used is so important because the way we do relationships and the way we do marriage, it is an opportunity for us to declare to the world of Christ's love for His people. The fourth thing is that believers are not to be partnered with pre-Christians or those who are not believers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it talks about Apostle Paul. He uses this farming illustration, and I want to, we're not going to have time to look into it, but I want to just try to explain it to you. Apostle Paul, the writer of the book of 2 Corinthians, he says that you cannot be unequally yoked with a non-Christian or an unbeliever. Now, what does he mean? He's using an agricultural or a farming illustration. Because when you know anything about farming, in order to plow the ground, to plant the seeds, you need to be able to dig into the ground. So what they will use is like oftentimes a, a, an ox or an oxen, and they will use both of them, and they'll put this metal a wooden beam around their necks so it could guide them to a straight path. So when Paul was giving this illustration, what he was simply saying was this. If you use an ox and then a dog, then that yoke that's supposed to guide them straight it won't it won't be able to it will be crooked and then it's going to go in a different direction so what paul was trying to emphasize is how can a believer who believes in jesus christ be together in this marriage relationship with a pre-christian because then you are being unequally yoked now once again this is what the bible says and there might be some of us right now thinking to ourselves is this something that we have to follow because some of us know of stories of people who got together in relationships where one was not a believer and they eventually came to know Jesus Christ. In that same way, I know a lot of other people where they married somebody who's not a believer and now their life and marriage is at shambles. So the question is this, is this God's idea or is this something that we're just wanting because this is so important to us? So my encouragement to you is this, and I want to speak to some of you who are older, and especially those of you who are female. 
I think one of the biggest laments that I hear often is that when the woman in our church uh, begins to get older, as you know, then sometimes you get a little bit more anxious because you're like, am I going to get married? I'm getting older. And every year there's younger women coming up into the pipeline. And then these guys are like, I love getting old because then their options are many, right? And so it is so easy then to say, you know what? I look around in church and there's nobody here. And then there's a co-worker or there's somebody that you really connect with He's good looking, he's funny, he's tall, he dresses well, he makes a lot of money, and he drives a nice car, he even has a flat, did I cover everything? Anyway, he is just everything that you imagine. But the only thing is, he's not a Christian. And I think this is where so many of you sisters, the older women in our church struggle with. Because here you are reading these passages and trying to obey, but then the reality is there's no God. So either you have to trust God that he will provide someone for you because you're trying to honor him, honor God. Or for some of us, we give in and say, you know what, maybe that passage is for a different time, different person, and we get into relationship with the pre-Christian. And I want to just speak just from just experience in terms of all the different people I've met that when we follow God's word, I believe with all my heart that blessings would come. And it could come in different forms. But when we honor God, the Bible says in Samuel, 1 Samuel, that he will honor us. I pray that some of us will not be looking at just circumstances alone, but we want to be able to follow God and obey God. Some of you might have questions about that, and we could talk about it later, but I just want to at least go over what the Bible says about some of these principles. The next one is this. Believers are not all called to marry. That's another principle. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul counsels the believers that sometimes it's better not to marry so that you can devote yourself fully to God. Now, when a person is able to do that, that's what we call the gift of celibacy, that you are committing yourself not to marry so that there's a purpose of being able to be fully devoted to God. So in a more of an allegorical or metaphorical way, you're being married to Jesus and that you're devoting yourself to him so that you could live for his kingdom purposes. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of people who are Christians who struggle with SSA, which is the same-sex attraction. Or there are now more cases of people struggling with gender uh, dysphoria that they're a guy biologically, but they think they're a girl, or they are a woman biologically, but they think they're a, a, a guy. Now, let me speak to that. I don't have time to go into a full detail. If you're really interested in this conversation, I would love to make an appointment with me. I would love to talk with you about it. But let me just be clear on this. I think one of the things that I see that oftentimes the church or even believers fall into is it's so easy to identify with some of these different issues to say, oh, I'm gay. In the same way we say, I'm an engineer. I'm a banker. But that's not your identity. You are a child of God who happens to be an engineer. That's what you do. You are a child of God that goes, does banking. And that's why as soon as you take on this identity, that's when I think your mind will have to go to all these other things. So you who are a follower of Jesus Christ, 
What you have to ask yourself is what is my identity? Is it made up because of my gender? Is my identity made up because of my sexual orientation? No, it's nothing like that. That's why for you to say, oh, I am gay or I am this, then what you fail to see is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that your identity is not based on these things alone, but it's who you are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I know some believers who understand that this is not God's heart and God's best for them. They also understand this is not their identity. So you know what they do? They willfully choose not to marry. Now, those of you who might not know, in the Christian church, we have been notorious for being judgmental and just even rude and evil towards people who might not agree with us. And I'll be the first one to admit that on behalf of a lot of Christians. And I think this is the reason why there is such a bad witness to Christianity. And I myself at times, some of you who are Christians watching this, you have perpetuated that kind of negative stereotype that Christians are unloving and they're very judgmental. So can I speak to you, those of you who are believers right now, those of you who are not Christians, you don't have to listen. You could just kind of, uh, I'm not addressing you. I'm addressing those of you who are Christians. The problem I have with you, those of you who are Christians, is that you judge and you get angry and you try to argue a case for those people who struggle with SSA, same-sex attraction, or even gender dysphoria. But you are okay with your roommate sleeping with their girlfriend. The inconsistency of that is very clear because the Bible talks about sex within the context of marriage. And for you to be light on your roommate and not be as angry or judgmental, but you are with these other people who are struggling with different things, it just shows how of double standard you have. I think this is the reason why so many people who are not Christians have a problem with you and they have a problem with us as believers. So that's why I would challenge us to live a holy life so that we could be consistent in what we share and what we do. The next thing I want to share, six, is that believers must honor God in all that we do. There are so many passages that talk about because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now we must live our lives to reflect the life that is worthy of this gospel. And that's why you'll see it in verses in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27a, and then Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. These are just some of the verses. I want to read Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 in the New Living Translation. This is what it says. Then the way you live will always, and can you just read that yellow part with me? It says this, honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So it's about living our lives to honor God and to please Him. So I'm wondering if some of us, when we think about our relationships, are we approaching it with that kind of mindset? Is it honoring to God and is it pleasing to Him because of what He has done for me? The seventh and last thing that I want to mention here as a biblical principle is this, that believers must treat people differently because of Jesus Christ that the believers treat people differently because of Christ. Now, let me give you just a little understanding of this. 
Because Jesus died, rose again from the dead, what he did was that he now gave us access to God. Because before that, we had no means of being able to approach a holy God. But Jesus Christ, he took upon the sins of the world upon him, your sins and my sins. Therefore, now we're able to boldly come before God. So what he did was he actually gave us not only access to God, but he created a new family, a new community. So that's why we have now God the Father and that we are now brothers and sisters in Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, of course, it's not blood related, but it's by the blood of Jesus we are related as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you understand that, then God, if you look at the book of Acts, he created this new community where people treat each other differently. If you look out throughout history, that's one of the things that the world began to notice. Oh, how these Christians loved one another. Oh, how these Christians always fought for justice. For even some of the, there was infants, uh, people were killing infants and sacrificing them to idols. But Christians stood boldly against those things. Christians stood boldly for women and some of their rights. And so when you think about the reason why we fight for justice and do these things because of Jesus and this new community. So how we relate, how we do community is completely different from the world. Now think about this for a moment. If you are in a dating relationship or you're wanting to be in a relationship, how will you honor somebody who's considered a brother or a sister in Christ? Those of you who come from a family of brothers and sisters, blood, like how would you like it if someone treated your sister or your brother in the way you've treated some of these people in the context of the church or in your workplace or wherever it might be? What we fail to see is that because of Jesus Christ, we are part of this new community. And the way we treat one another has to reflect what Jesus Christ has done to bring us together. Therefore, that much more, the way you approach relationships should be honoring to that brother or sister in Christ. Now, I could give tons of examples. For some of you ladies, when you have no interest in that guy, but you flirt with them because it just makes you feel good because at least someone likes me, but you like the idea of someone liking you, but you don't like this person, you don't honor them. You're giving them mixed messages. How would that guy feel? In the same way, some of you guys, you love playing around. So what you'll do is you'll text, you'll do all this stuff to slowly lure these women to be attached to you. And then what happens? You have no desire for marriage, but you just like the fact that maybe you could get some or do all the stuff. And that doesn't honor people around you. So once again, it is vital that we understand that the way we treat each other has to be different because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here's some of the Bible verses just to kind of strengthen the point that I'm trying to make. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 in the NIV. Listen to what it says. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. What a great reminder. The way we treat one another, whether they're older, younger, we do it with the purity of heart. The second verse I want to read for us in the Bible is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Listen to what it says. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, 
Not in passionate lust like the pagans. Pagans are those who didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They were worshiping other gods who do not know God. But it says here, and that in this manner, will you say the yellow section with me? No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Think about that. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. To not wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, come on, say this, but to live a holy life. So why should we live differently? Why should we do relationships differently? Because we want to show the world that we serve this God that's awesome. It doesn't mean that Christians are perfect. Christians get into fights. They, they, they have wrong motives and do all this stuff. But we want to do our best because we're bringing our relationship and submitting it to God's leadership. To say, God, you lead us. You guide us. So I want to give you a biblical definition or at least in our understanding with all these principles put together. I want to give you a definition of a biblical dating. How to approach relationships. And it's simply this. Here's the definition. A purposeful process for a single man and a single woman to get to know one another with the knowledge of their families and or church community in order to make a commitment to one another with marriage being the end goal. Let me read it again. And I want you to just pause and just look at this and to be able to kind of take in some of these words. It's a purposeful process for a single man and a single woman to get to know one another with the knowledge of their families and or church community. I put this in there because some of you don't have good relationship with your families. Some of them are not believers. So it doesn't mean that you don't share with them, but they're not, they might not be able to guide you with biblical principles. So that's why we say with families and or church community in order to make a commitment to one another with marriage being the end goal. Now, from this definition, here are several things that we can identify as principles. The first thing is this. Biblical dating has an end goal in mind. Therefore, it gives us a clear purpose. That's why whenever you enter into a relationship in a biblical perspective, there's a clear purpose why you're in that relationship. I always talk to people, and, and whenever they get into these relationships that's very shady, I go, are you ready to marry her in the next several years? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just kind of, no, nah, no. Nah. Then why are you in this relationship? You don't have a clear purpose. You don't even know where you're going to be. You don't even know what direction you're going to. That's why I challenge guys to have some direction in life. Know where you're going to take this. And then let your intentions be known and move forward in it. You can't just date around just to goof around and have fun. And then break hearts after hearts after hearts. Because what does it do for our community? And this is something I've shared even to many people in the past. Whenever people get into a relationship and there's no purpose and clarity to it, guess what happens? You get emotionally attached, you get physically involved, and then you decide, I'm not gonna, this is not going to work out. So what happens? What I've noticed as a pastor is this. Usually the girl leaves or the guy leaves or they both leave the church. Rarely do I see both of them staying. I would say it would be more like one out of ten that both people will stay in the church. 
Why is this important? If we really view relationships in a community and that we're a spiritual family, to have one person leave because of a broken heart or because they just got hurt by that person, it doesn't honor God. This is the reason why I'm, I'm encouraging you to at least understand that relationships should have some goal in mind and that it will give us a clear purpose why we are in it. Not just because we are lonely or because we just want to have fun. There should be a clear purpose in mind. The second thing is this, that biblical dating involves others who are important to us and can give good input and accountability. That biblical dating involves others who are important to us and those who can give us good input and accountability. You know, the problem with many of us is that when we enter into relation, we don't let anyone else know. That's a problem. Why? Because some of you think that, I know how to do it, leave me alone. But can I challenge some of you with this? How many of you will enter into the startup culture, into the startup market, if you do knew nothing? Yeah, you can kind of do your own research. You can kind of try to figure things out. But doesn't it help when you talk to other people who are in the startup world? Wouldn't it be helpful to find somebody who in the startup world who have successfully started a business and now they're millionaires to be your mentor, to guide you, to lead you, to help you? Why is it that we want that for our careers but we don't want that for our relationships. What it really shows is that you want to do what you want to do without anyone's input. And this is the sad part. And I'm speaking to many of you who are believers and in our church. The reason why you do not want input or other people involved because you don't want someone to tell you something that you don't want to hear. Bottom line. You are that self-centered and thinking that you are that self-dependent and that you could do it on your own and you don't want anyone to tell you. But have you thought, is this relationship good for her? Is it good for him? Is this the right time? Are there things that you don't see? There's bumps in the road. There's potholes that you're not even considering because you have no idea. You have no clue. To me, it will be very foolish to enter into a relationship where you just say, it's just me and her and no one else. Because you want to be able to get people involved in that process. The third thing is that biblical dating emphasizes the importance of commitment so that it protects us from just dating around or casual hookups. When you're entering into a biblical dating relationship, there is this understanding that I want to be able to make this commitment. It doesn't mean that, that my person might, you're going to marry them. Because there's a lot of things that happen we don't know. But at least initially, you're making this clear statement that I want to be committed to this, to getting to know you, to be able to maybe possibly lead into marriage. And so when you make that commitment with the end goal in mind, then it gives more clarity to it. The fourth and last one is this. Biblical dating fosters realistic and other-centered perspective on connection rather than superficial and self-centeredness. Biblical dating fosters this realistic and other-centered perspective on connection. And the reason why this is important is because when you're entering into a relationship and you want to try to follow it on 
God's principles, then you're always thinking about not yourself, not your selfish desires, what you want, but you're thinking about them. Because the Bible is full of these passages about honoring one another, to love one another. And love is not lust. Lust is self-centered. Love is other-centered. And that's why, as you think about some of these biblical principles, it's going to help us to move forward in some of our relationships. Let me pause here and have you break up into huddle groups. And once again, maybe some of you hearing this stuff you don't agree with, you don't believe, whatever the case may be. But I just want to challenge you. If you've been at this relationship block a few times and it's not working, maybe some of the things that I shared can give you a different perspective. To those of you who have never been in a relationship, and I realize whenever I give these kind of talks, it's always the believers who have never been in a relationship that have the hardest time with what I'm saying. The people who are always shaking their head in agreement of what I'm sharing right here, of because they've experienced pain in their life, and they've done it in a way that they realize, man, if I only knew this before, are usually people who are not believers or they've experienced all these heartaches and relationships where they finally realize, oh, that's true. I wish I would have known this earlier. So I want to challenge some of us who are believers and you have never been in a relationship. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't make something untrue. So you got to open up your mind and your heart and look at the evidence of people around you. So here are the questions that I want you to talk about. The first one is this. Why are some of the biblical principles of relationships and dating difficult to accept or live by? Because some of these things are not easy. Some of these things are hard. But this is a good opportunity for you to share that. Because you might not agree with some of these things and share why. The second question is this. When you look at your parents' marriage, what are some things that you notice that are good and some things that you do not want to repeat. There are some things that you might be like, yeah, I want to do that when I get married. But there are some of the things I don't want to do. Maybe you could share some of those things. Because some of your parents might not be believers. Some of them might be. And so there's good things that they imparted to you. So I'm going to give you once again, um, just because of time, I'm going to give you six minutes. So just jump into it right away. And if you have three people, that's two minutes each. And if you have four, it's about 45 seconds or so. So you got to share quickly right so uh, or a minute 45 i guess is that right minute 45 minute 30 right for each person so go ahead and share and then we'll bring it back welcome back hopefully you had a good time in your breakout room in zoom uh, once again it's just a small opportunity for you to share with one another and it is my hope that as we talked about some of these biblical principles that we can really honor God with our relationship as we submit that to his leadership. I know that after hearing this, now the question is, now what do I do? <laughs> what are some practical things? So I want to give you six skills, six, six skills to kind of think about, to actually practice, that it might help you to develop good relationships and even biblical principles of dating. And so as I try to do my best to help you guys to remember. I'm going to use the acronym SWIPED, past tense. So as you swipe, it, you have been swiped. So here are the six things. The first thing is this, is to secure your relationship with Jesus. 
as many of you know, everything flows out of our identity in Christ. Everything flows out of understanding His love for us, our acceptance. Some of you are looking for relationships, but you are not secure in your relationship with Christ. So relationship becomes a substitute for your relation with Christ. That's why so many of you struggle time and time again. The first and primary thing you got to do is secure that relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the foundation for all relationships because that person will not make you whole. You have to be fully whole because of Jesus. Same with that other person, your partner, that they have to be fully whole. And then when you come together, that's when God can use you in a powerful way. Do not look for relationships or start entering into one if this is not secure. Now, the question is, how do we know we're secure? There's no number. You'll never be able to fully understand, but I will definitely say, ask people around you. If you're so insecure, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to develop a steady and a stable relationship. So that's the S as we talk about swipe. The second one is this, the W. It stands for work on the best version of you. Work on the best version of you. You know, too often, we're always looking for that person that we can really be like, oh, they fit all our criteria. But can I, can I just challenge us with this? If you're looking for a 9 or a 10 on a scale of 10, 1 to 10, I guarantee you that 9 or 10 is not looking at you if you're a 3 or a 4. Huh. What do I mean? Pastor, what do you mean? Because when they're at a 9 or a 10, they're looking for other people who are within that same vicinity. I don't know, maybe they join that app, the league, with these high standards. The reason why many of them are not even considering some of you is because there are certain things that they're pursuing after. Now, I understand if it's all external. To me, that's just superficial. But we're talking about those of you who are believers, who want to understand the purpose and just the direction, what God is calling you to do. If some of these women are at a 9 or a 10, and they're moving in a certain direction, and you're way back here, and you just don't really care about your spiritual life, you're not doing that well, then I, I really highly doubt that they will look to you and be really interested because they're already moving towards something. That's why I want to challenge us. Work on the better version of yourself. Grow spiritually. Grow in some of these characters' traits so they can look at you and raise their eyebrow and go, hmm, I never considered that person. And we don't think that way, but I want to encourage you to start thinking that way. The more you work on yourself, the more you grow, the more you become Christ-like, the more you work on other areas that you know you need to work on, the issues and the baggage, I'm telling you right now, it is going to help you to be a better candidate for some of these people that you're thinking about. In fact, when I think about marriage, a lot of the conflicts, a lot of the triggers that causes people to fight in an unhealthy way and even end up in divorce is because they have never had some of their issues and baggages from the past addressed. So it carries over into that relationship. And now as you're carrying this baggage and all these issues, now this person has to carry it with you. Now, once again, we're not saying you got to be perfect to be in a relationship and married. But we all have issues. But if you have all these issues that have never been addressed, it's going to affect your relationship. It's going to affect your marriage. So focus on working on the best version of you. And I guarantee you that there will be people who will be interested. 
and who hopefully you can connect with. So the S, once again, is secure your relationship with Christ. The W is work on the best version of you. And the I is invite others in the process. Invite others in the process. As I mentioned time and time again, if you're going to do something that you really don't know what marriage is like, it's good to talk to people who are married, who can kind of help you to walk in this journey with you. And so it is vital that you invite people into this relationship. Another reason is because of accountability. You know, the problem that I see so often is that we are always facing each other and we always, it's all about us, me and this, my partner and this person. What happens is that you have blind spots and you might think that this person is awesome, but there are clearly signs that other, your friends, uh, your, your spiritual mentors that they see that you don't see. And that's why it will be disastrous if you do not invite others in this process because it goes underground. And as I mentioned earlier, some of you don't want other people involved in the process because you don't want anyone to tell you what to do. And then you stumble and fall and it doesn't work out. And then another broken heart. You're not thinking about others. You're not thinking about the community. You're not thinking about people. You're thinking about yourself. And that's why I want to encourage you to invite other people in. And just don't do it so you can check off a box. If you're not going to listen to them, then don't even invite people. <laughs> I've seen people. This is how, this, those of you who are not believers at this time, I want to tell you how wicked Christians are. Okay, this is how wicked we are. Christians are so wicked because we could use Christian language and do Christian things to hide our real motives. So we invite people in our lives, but we're not going to listen to them. So we could check it off and say, oh, I do have somebody. I invited them into the process. But you're not listening. If your heart is already set on not listening, then don't invite it. At least you're consistent. What's worse is you're a fake and you're a hypocrite, and this is the reason why so many people have issues with Christians. This is the reason why our witness sucks. Can I say that? Hi. Sometimes I'm more upset at Christians than those who are not. So my challenge to you is if you want to go ahead and do it on your own, that's your choice. Don't use religious language to make it seem like you are, but you're not. That's what I have a beef with. But if you realize, I don't know what I'm doing. I want this to be something that God will lead us in. I do need help. You've been ahead of me a little bit in your walk with God. You have been in relationship and it didn't work out. So what are some things that I could look out for? Oh, you're married and you, you, you have a great marriage. I, I want to learn. How did you get there? What are some of the things that you went through? What are some things that I could look out for? So remember to invite people into the process. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. The Bible reminds us, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. So you're like, why can I never find somebody? Why does my relationship never work out? Here it is. Read the Bible, the book of Proverbs. It will give you some insights. Here's another verse. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. The message translation. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. 
This is the word of God. So the S, once again, is secure your relationship with Jesus. The W is work on the best version of you. The I is invite others in the process. And then the P is purposeful interactions. I want to just encourage you that as you are trying to discover who this person is, make sure that you have purposeful interactions. Now, some of you have different people in different contexts. And those are sometimes the greatest opportunities to really know who they are. And I know sometimes it's hard because like, how do I start a conversation with that person? I don't want them to freak out. I don't want them to get all this weird heebie-jeebie and all this kind of weird stuff going on. My encouragement to you is just let your intentions be known. Is it okay if I get to know you? That's just being honest. And to be able to get to know them with a purposeful interaction. And if they are not interested or they're like, oh, it's okay, then move on. And I, I, I want to encourage you. Or maybe it's not the right time. So maybe you pull the trigger too early. So whatever the case, once again, you got to make your intentions known. So when you interact, be purposeful. Maybe as you're interacting, you realize, oh, I see some good traits in this person. This might be something that I'm open to. And so, and to those of you who are already in a relationship, can I just challenge you? You are missing the opportunities to really develop skills for your future marriage. Some of you, when you get together, all you do is watch Korean drama, just Netflix. Now, if you talk about the Netflix series afterwards and talk about life together in the context, it might be different. But some of you just hang out, just watch TV, do other stuff, but there's no purposeful interaction. How do you know what they're thinking, their values and all that stuff, even though you've been together for maybe even six months or a whole year? So make sure that when you are in a relationship that there's purposeful interactions so you can get to know them deeper. How do they respond to certain situations? Because that will help you to better gauge who they are. And also, if you are serious and it looks like it's heading towards marriage, you can start working on things now, like communication, conflict resolution, and all these things that are needed. That's why some of you have no clue what marriage life is going to be. Find people who are married to help you, to tell you, yeah, it's hard. So you better work on this before you get married. So once again, as you invite people into your life, and then you have purposeful interaction, I believe there's going to be a difference. So once again, the S is secure your relationship with Christ. The second one is work on the best version of you. And the I is to invite others in the process. And then the P is purposeful interactions. And last, or second to last, is evaluate carefully and wisely. I think too often we get blinded. I mentioned this earlier. Because we just see one trait that we like and then we just go all in. You got to be able to evaluate, is this person somebody I could spend the rest of my life with? Some of you are, sorry for saying this, but you are so shallow and superficial. As long as they're wealthy or as long as they look cute. And I'm telling you right now, ladies, one day they're going to lose their hair. And whatever six pack they have is now just one pack. And so I'm telling you, you cannot just look at one thing. You got to look at the totality of the person and even the projection of where they're headed. That will help you to make wise and smart decisions. Like for instance, let me give you some things about evaluating carefully and wisely. If you value a compassionate person, 
then you got to be able to see them in different contexts. Are they compassionate only when you're there so they can impress you? Or are they compassionate with other people? Are they compassionate with strangers? Are they compassionate in certain in the life group context? If they're consistent over various contexts, over a long period of time, bingo, you found him. He's a compassionate man. Some of you are looking for people who really are faithful to responsibilities. You value that. So are they faithful over different contexts over a long period of time? Did they forget the life group person's birthday? They might forget your birthday. So once again, it's what you value. And so you got to look at them in different contexts with different people over a long period of time, duration. That will help you to know who they really are. That's how you evaluate. I'm going to give you some questions also to think about, to really find out, am I really evaluating this person correctly, wisely, carefully, so that this person hopefully will lead into marriage? Here are some questions for you to think about. First one is this. Do they have a common vision and values as you? Because if you don't, marriage is going to be hard. Marriage is already hard. It's going to be harder. So ask yourself, so how do you find out if they have a common vision? Because maybe as you guys are serving like disabled people or like impoverished kids or the refugees, let's say, and they have a heart for it, you have a heart for it, that you want to be able to work in this kind of... Bingo! You might have a common vision. So once again, I think one of the best contexts to be able to evaluate is when you serve together. This is the reason why I've been really encouraging you guys to get involved. And are they serving not only in the church, but maybe in life group? Are they involved in some of these different outreaches that you have? Because that's how you can find it if they have the common vision and the common value. The second thing is this. Are they respected in their circle of influence? Listen, you might think that that guy is the bomb. But when they're hanging out with their friends, everyone's like, he's a jerk. Like to me, it's a character issue. Same with girls. If they're okay with you and you're like, wow, she's so sweet. But then she doesn't really have too many girlfriends. And a lot of the girlfriends are like, eh, she's not that great. She's like really nitpicky, like catty. You know, she's like, ow. And it has like really like a small heart. Like I would say, holy cow, wait a minute. Let me evaluate this thing. Is this really who she is? Right? So once again, ask yourself, are they respected in their circle of friends? If they're not, all their friends are like, yeah, he's a jerk or he sucks. Then you might want to wake up and say, wait a minute. Maybe he's this way just with me. And can I just say this from the bottom of my heart? If he's with you, just with you, that means that he has a goal that he wants to achieve. But who he really is, is with other people. That's why I think it's important to get our heads out of the sand and look up and say, wait a minute, something that might not be right. The third thing is this. Do they have character traits that reflect Christ's likeness? Because once again, it's about becoming more like Christ. And marriage will help you to do that because it is hard. But are they developing some of that now with life group, loving people around them? Those are traits that it will help you to know and to see. The fifth thing is, or fourth thing is this. Do they have someone to speak into their lives. Why is this important? Because once again, it shows a humility. It shows that they're growing. They want to grow. And can you imagine once you marry someone and they're like, okay, I'm done now, and they don't grow anymore? Your marriage is going to be up, up the creek. You got to have someone who's always wanting to be challenged, wanting to grow. 
And so I want to challenge some of you who are serious about your relationship with Christ and your future marriage. And that if that person is going to lead you, then you got to ask yourself, do they have people that is speaking into their lives? The fifth thing is this. Is starting this relationship now what's best for that person? That's a question to ask. That's how you evaluate. Some of you might feel ready, but that person might not. So a lot of times we've mistaken of not understanding the situation well. So maybe that's something you can ask. The next one is this. Are you doing things that are fueling emotions in which you cannot deliver on? Some of you are spending all this time and that girl or that guy is getting attached to you, but you cannot deliver on because you're not serious about marriage. You're not serious about being in a relationship. You just want to have fun. You're just bored out of your mind. Cause then, so you decide to just hang out with somebody or just be a friend. Listen, if you're stirring up things that you're not ready to deliver on, then what I would say is to stand down. Use wisdom. Evaluate carefully what the situation is. The, uh, what is it, number six or seven? Will expressing my feelings now serve and honor that person? I know some of you really want to know if they like you because you really like them. But sometimes by you telling them, it doesn't help the situation and it doesn't help that person. That's why you need a facilitator. Get someone involved in the process to help you. And lastly, are they committed to Christ, the church and the cause of Christ? Because when they are committed to Christ and His church, listen to me, that guy will be committed to you because he wants to obey God. Same way with the girl. Are they committed to Christ and to the cause of Christ? Then they will be committed to you for the long haul because they honor, they want to honor Jesus Christ in their lives. Lastly, as we close here, it is define the relationship. I think part of really starting a good relationship is actually defining it. So many of us are really ambiguous on this, and that's why a lot of people get hurt. If you're seriously evaluated, did all this stuff, and you're ready, and you want to approach this person, and you guys already are talking, it seems like they're reciprocating, then define the relationship. Stop being underground. It doesn't honor God. I've shared this before. Deceit, lies, hiding, shame, condemnations, they are not from God. The Bible reminds us they're from the evil one. So if you're starting a relationship like that, in my mind, I'm thinking, how in the world can God bless a lie or deception? He wants you to repent and come to Him humbly. So that's why I want to encourage you. Stop doing shady stuff. Be very clear in your intentions to be able to share that and then be able to then define this relationship and move forward. It's going to help the women because they don't know if you're serious or not. You talk to any women. Right now, I wish I could say, amen, women, and all the women are like, amen. I'm telling you, you talk to any of these sisters and women in our church, they will love to be having the intentions clearly stated. So they will know why you're doing what you're doing. And as you get older, you know why they're doing what they're doing. Like, I know what you're doing. So I want to encourage you to define the relationship. So once again, swiped. And simply as we talk about this, it is secure your relationship with Christ, with Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. And then work on the best version of you. 
and then invite other people into this process and then have purposeful interactions and then evaluate carefully and wisely and lastly, define the relationship. What we're going to do at this time is we're going to have an opportunity to do a question and answer. I know much time has gone by. I don't know how much time we're going to have, but we're going to try to do the best that we can. So right now, we're going to show the QR code one more time. And I'm going to invite some people in our church to come up and share with me. It's going to be like a panel. They'll introduce themselves. But right in front of your screen, there's a QR code. And then go ahead and scan that. And so if you have any questions that you didn't ask or more questions that came up after this talk, go ahead and fill that out. And our incredible, good-looking MC will facilitate uh, our talk here and uh, discussion. And so uh, hopefully we can cover as many questions as we can. So just give us about, uh, we'll give you about a minute to go ahead and scan it and ask further questions. And then we'll get the panelists up here and then we'll share uh, thank you for sticking with us. We're entering into now our Q&A session. And I'm just going to introduce myself first. I'm Leon. I'm one of the leaders of the Focus Life Groups, Pray Me. And with us, we have the rest of our panel here. You already heard from Pastor Seth, but maybe the rest of us can introduce ourselves. Uh, maybe we can start with Pebo. Hi, my name is Bo. And uh, I think just some background. We just got married two years ago, or almost ooh, two years ooh. ago, uh, back in 2019. And then, um, yeah, so pastoring and then originally from the U.S., and then in terms of something related to relationship context, but before I met Erica, uh, I had one girlfriend, um, and Whoa. then had Whoa. some different like Erica shady, know this? ambiguous. Erica, yeah, did you know about this? <laughs> <laughs> She's just finding out today. <laughs> wow! <laughs> no. no. Um, and then just some ambiguous relationships along the way. So some? How many? <laughs> we don't have much time. Let's move on. Move it along. Move it along. I'm the wife. I'm Erica, and I'm from the, I'm from the U.S. Um, unlike him, he was my first and wow. only. Wow! But she with that also came a lot of struggles. So, yeah, that's me. Uh, my name is Annie. I'm one of the leaders here, and I'm currently not in a relationship. But I've also had different relationships in the past, unofficial and official, that I've learned a lot from. Uh, my name is Joanna. I am now part of Pray Me, and uh, uh, I have had a somewhat more abundant uh, experiences in relationship aspect uh, because I did not grow up in a Christian context. So I've had um, a majority of my relationships were BC, we got before Christ, and so uh, I think I, I can answer some of the questions that are maybe a little bit more pagan and um, worldly, uh, but then also with the struggles of entering into Christian context of how to even pursue relationship and kind of uh, identify some of those struggles as well. All right, so if you haven't yet, feel free to enter in to the QR code and then type in your questions. We have someone in the room that's looking at all the questions that, that are being updated, and they'll pass the questions on to us. So maybe we can start with a question about approaching relationships. Uh, so someone asked, how do we know if we know each other well enough before moving into a relationship? And then on top of that, how do you know if he or she is the right one? Uh, maybe we can start with uh, Joanna, since she has an abundance of relationships <laughs> and experiences. Well, I have not found my right one yet. I found many wrong ones. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think one thing I, I would say is uh, you just cannot really know each other 
enough. Like there's never enough, right? I'm sure after you get married, there's still more things you discover about each other as well. And I think the level of enough is, is not something that we can kind of like gauge ourselves. Uh, but one thing I think I really appreciate about what Pastor, Pre- uh, Pastor said was sharing also is that you need to involve people into a relationship because uh, there's going to always be people that are maybe to the, to the person that you're pursuing. Uh, they will have friends, they will have community, they will have other people that know them well enough in many other contexts and different traits and, and trends and different things that come out. Um, so that's why it's really helpful to to kind of seek counsel or to, to at least talk with people. So for me personally, I remember talking with um, my two sisters here and uh, it, it was a very long discussion late at night, uh, but I did not take their advice. And uh, you later... You did not take the advice. Oh. I remember it. Yes. Yeah, so that was one of the wrong ones, right? That was proven... I was proven wrong after the fact that they were proven correct. But I, I think it's just more having that humility to say, you know, like, uh, even though I may not know, understand everything, but what do other people think and kind of seeking that counsel as well. So I think that would be helpful. I think for me, I also would really definitely say the context helps. Cause I think for people and myself, before we were in a relationship, we were on the church planting together. I also knew him from Ann Arbor and, and we had many mutual friends as well. And so I think just seeing like, okay, who is he friends with? What type of people does he hang out with? And then just seeing him in, like, multiple different contexts before we were interested, I think definitely helped me to see, like, that test of character that was proven, you know, consistent. He's not perfect, but, you know, definitely, like, that consistency. He's not? Um, <laughs> definitely, you know, helped for me to say, okay, he's not doing it to impress me. It's just who he is. Yeah. I would say also going along with what Pastor Seth was saying, being able to know someone in a group context, because if you're only knowing someone in a one-on-one context, it's just hard to know who they really are. And I also have, remember, there were times in, this was a little bit in undergrad, but like just always spending time with one person and only hanging out with them one-on-one. And I remember Erica, too, she actually found me. Um, she just caught in the action. <laughs> she was in the action. She's like, where are you? And I'm so like, I was like, I lied to her. I was like, oh, no, I'm just, you know, studying with my friends, but it's actually just one person. And, and I think, though, that I'm thankful for that because having people in community be able to say, hey, like, this person, and also for myself, I realized, like, there are a lot of times I thought I knew myself and this is what I wanted, but actually that's not what I need and having people to disciple me and so I know myself better that also helps so I feel like knowing someone also requires knowing ourselves well too yeah I think just more second part of the question which is like moving on from a uh, friendship to dating relationship um, before you think I'm like old-fashioned like uh, let me just give that disclaimer I think for me it was, it was the the moment that I feel like I'm able to say I would consider this person for marriage. And not that you would like approach that person and be like, hey, you want to marry me? Like right off the bat, that's not what I'm intending. But I think it's a good like litmus test of a question because it makes it so much that it makes it so that the relationship isn't so much about me and what I can get, but it really forces it forced me to ask myself, hey, can I imagine spending the rest of my life with this person? And am I ready to commit to a relationship where it's not just me receiving, but also me giving in that moment? And so I think that helped me because I think that's been through a lot of discussions with me and various different people that I was considering. And I think I realized a lot of those were more self-centered because all about what I can get or what I liked rather than Can you what, look at Erica and share this? Rather than... Various, <laughs> Rather than what I can give to that person, which is what that question really forced me to consider. So I think if you think to yourself, especially for guys, right? If you think to yourself, am I ready for this relationship? Um, one good question is, can I see myself actually marrying that person? Even though you don't know that answer for sure, it's more of that perspective of what is it about? Is it about you? Or is it really about the other person? So, yeah. 
Thanks everyone for sharing. I think one thing that Annie brought up was boundaries. I think that's a big flare word that we hear a lot in our church. Like, how do we set clear boundaries? And so I was wondering if you guys had any, had any ideas or anything, any advice you want to give to people about how to set good boundaries. And on top of that, if you happen to have break, broken those boundaries, how do you go back to restore the relationship into a healthy state where you can continue to on with those boundaries even if they've been broken? Okay, I'll answer very quickly and end it. Whenever people ask that question, their attitude and the posture of their heart is in the wrong place. You want to know what the boundary is because you want to go right up to that boundary and still be good. That's the wrong heart. You shouldn't be asking where the boundary is. It should be more checking your heart. What is it that you desire? What is it that you want? So whenever people ask me that question, I know where their heart is going because they want to be able to know where that line is and they're going to go right up to it and not cross it so they could be a good Christian. You know how I feel about Christians. So all I can say to you if you're asking this question is you have the wrong heart. You should ask yourself, what is pure? What is holy? What honors God? Would you do some of the things if some people were around? If Pastor Seth was there, you know, so these are the kind of questions you should ask. That, that shows you more of your heart. I think you could figure it out. The second thing is this. We're sinful, all of us, myself included. We're going to cross boundaries, whatever boundaries you have set. We make mistakes. And that's why I think we need the humility to be able to say, God, I want to get my relationship back with you. And to be able to say, this is not about me. This is really not even about her or even about him. It's about God. It's about witnessing to the lost world. So will my relationship bring honor and glory to you? So to be able to recommit to that purpose of a relationship, the which end with marriage. I think that's the best thing to do. So if you've made a mistake, you cross whatever boundaries you have set. Some of you might have even gone really far to the point of now there's guilt and condemnation. I want to encourage you to humble yourself, repent before God, receive his forgiveness, recommit to the process of loving God, loving people, and I believe that God will use you and redeem your relationship for something that's good. All right? You, you guys have anything else you want to add to it? Does anyone have any practical, yeah, practical tips or practical steps to take? Yeah. I think it's great to hear about repentance, but sometimes if I just broke it, I, what, what do I do? Who do I turn to? I can turn to Pastor Seth and ask for prayer, but is there anyone else that maybe we could ask or what would it look like? I can share a bit. I think... Uh, bound, having setting boundaries is great, but having accountability is more important because uh, we can have idealistically think that these are the boundaries I want to keep and even tell our partner or the people that like or the people that we're spending time with. But realistically, when we're in that situation, it's just it really is like a snowball downhill. And I think without and, and the thing with accountability, I've realized is it's as much as we want it. Like nobody will know what's happening in your own life or my own. I didn't nobody would know what's happening in my life if I didn't share it. And it's up to us to take responsibility for our own relationships in life and to share that and seek accountability because yeah no one's gonna know and I feel like even from my own life too and my experience it's like yeah if I if I don't want that accountability like I won't get it and then boundaries will be crossed and and so I think yes it's between us and God but um we also have to involve people if we really care about that. And so I feel like that's like, yeah. And people people care about us. And I think if we know that we're in a safe community where we can share um, our LCGs or mentors, then I, th I think that's so important. Yeah. yeah and to add, like, it's not just accountability after the fact. It's like preemptive accountability. 
like one thing that Eric and I did was, well, you didn't have a roommate when we were dating, but I had a couple of roommates. And one thing that we committed to was not spending time together after 11 p.m. Because, you know, like anything happens late in the night or early in the morning, like you're, you know, you just don't have the best judgment, you know. And that that's when things, it's easy to justify. It's easy to be like, well, whatever, you know. Um, and so it was helpful because I shared with my roommates like, hey, you know, I'm going to be spending time with Erica tonight. Like, I'm not supposed to be going past 11. So if I go past 11, you, you know something's wrong, right? Find me, right? Yeah, and then... What and if then, you guys are praying together? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <And> then, <laughs> even if we're praying together, you know? And then they would message me, you know? Like, hey, bro, it's like past 11. Where are you? And so I think those kind of things were really helpful because knowing that they knew... Like, that, uh, it's already implicit accountability, and I start to feel like, oh, shoot, like, they know something's wrong if mm -hmm. we go too far past 11, so, yeah. But I think even with that, sometimes there's, like, temptations that linger afterwards, right, after you've broken the boundary. So do you guys have any thoughts to share on that about how to kind of redeem that relationship? So say both of them want to be a God-honoring relationship, and they've overstepped some boundaries, so that temptation is still there. What are some things that they can implement? I know good accountability is helpful, but is there anything else that you guys might suggest or any other advice? Cold showers. Um, once you cross it, it's hard to go back. That's just the honest truth. So you got to be humble to realize it is hard to go back. So you should be more alert, more vigilant. Don't overestimate yourself. So many people do this. And you're going to fail. I'm telling you right now, don't even get started. You're going to fail. And so I think if you've crossed a certain boundaries that you feel like it's a healthy amount, then, yeah, not only accountability, but you just have to then take extra precautionary measures. And part of it is just being able to say, yeah, we're not going to do X, Y, Z uh, at certain times. And so those are just willful decisions you have to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say I, I agree with that. I think we just cannot be so proud or so trusting in ourselves. Like, doesn't matter if you write it down, you carve it in stone and put it in front of your mirror, <laughs> you still will cross those boundaries when it comes to it. So I think uh, really, like, I, and I agree, once you cross it's so much harder, but then I think it's that much more, you need to back up so much more and to be able to say, it's kind of like, you know, if you are, let's say, um, addict or a drug or alcoholic or something and then you cannot just say tomorrow starting from tomorrow I'm just not going to drink anymore and then still go into a bar or still like hang out with people at parties right like you have to be that much more uh, firm and understand like okay I'm sober for another month or three months and then a year then I will re-enter into that context so I think just kind of giving yourself even more room uh, to be able to be more secure and also evolving people right and, and sharing honestly and say hey this is something that happened and I've crossed a boundary and, and not giving Satan that kind of um things to hold on to you right so then oh then you will feel ashamed and then that would even even more it's kind of ah screw it it's already like done we already went past this let's just keep going all the way anyway so i think those are some thoughts that's not going to be helpful so stopping and also pulling back can i share one more thing just to, i mean hopefully just in in transparency this is not i'm not sharing on behalf of erica okay i'm sharing on behalf of myself Did one you see her face she was nervous she's nervous now wow wow <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think for a lot of, this is, I think a lot of the boundaries we're talking about is, like, if two people get too intimate. But I think, you know, I think another thing that people struggle with is, like, pornography. And um, I struggled with it kind of growing up. And then also because, you know, like, when you're a teenager, right, and all your friends are all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I struggle with it a lot. But I think one thing, it's not just, I think sometimes when we think of boundaries, it's always kind of like, what can I not do? Or what what is it I'm just trying to hold my back myself back from? But... 
I think one thing that helped that I was sharing with some of the uh, another married couple, they were like, think about what you're what you're saving yourself for in the instead, you know. And I realized like when we started dating, and then also especially when we got engaged, I'm like, uh, if I really want to save myself for Erica and just to enjoy this union in marriage in the context, then like I don't wanna I don't wanna watch porn. I don't wanna look into the different things that are gonna taint my view of her and our relationship. And I think. Like, instead of being like, oh, let me just withhold myself from something I want, it's more like, what can I look forward to in order to preserve what God really ordained in this kind of, like, sanctity of marriage that I want to enjoy in that way? So that was, that was also helpful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. Uh, so there, I know we talked a bit in the seminar about Christians and pre-Christians. Uh, so we do have a question. Um, what do I do if I've fallen in love with a pre-Christian, and how can I help them come to know God? Um, I think that might be some of the people in our community, some people on the call, they're kind of curious about that. Um, yeah, because that does happen. Uh, I can share a bit. Uh, I, I was considering if I should enter a relationship with a person who is not Christian yet, and I think I really, I really genuinely liked that person. I felt like there are a lot of qualities that I admired about them, but I think... Um, and I don't think it's, it's not impossible that they will come to know Christ, but I would say, like for me, a couple things or two things that I had to ask myself was, um, am I, because that person was like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church. Like, I'm going to like get to know who Jesus is, like learn about your faith and stuff. And they were really genuine too. And I think for me, when I'm honest with myself, I felt like first it was, I felt it was a bit unfair for me because how would I know if he's actually um, wanting to know Jesus because he really is interested in this faith or it's just because of me? And I would never know. Let's say he does accept Christ and stuff. I would never know for sure if if I were not in the picture if he would actually pursue God. And on the flip side, for him, he may he will never know Christian faith outside of just me and my real relationship with me. And I felt like it's unfair for him as well. Um, and I think so if. If it were me, I would encourage whoever's asking the question or if they were considering that, like if you're not at a relationship yet, to maybe consider if they could first grow in a community without being in a relationship. Because also once you're in a relationship, there are so many expectations, whether it's emotional or even yeah, different things. And so, yeah, I feel like that's what I would encourage to you know, have them be able to grow in their relationship with God first outside of like that relationship. Yeah. I think I think being in a Christian relationship in marriage, I, I realize when we know the purpose of how God designed marriage, like I think when we go through conflicts or even our understanding of like what this marriage is about, I think having a common understanding and and really both trying to make it God centered, Christ centered, I think has helped a lot because I think even thinking about like let's say showing grace or forgiveness or even what the what love, selfless love looks like, I feel like all those things really point to who Christ is. And if I think I can't I think it would be difficult if that other person couldn't speak that same language or had that same understanding. Yeah, we are kind of like on this same boat together and we're heading in the same direction and trying to work on this, on this marriage together because God has ordained it in this way. And so being able to build that same picture of what we value together has been definitely helpful, um, at least, yeah, for us. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Uh, one other topic we talked about in the seminar was same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. So we do have a question about that. Um, how should Christians act towards someone who has come out of the closet or who has chosen this lifestyle? And what should Christians keep in mind? I know that you shared a bit about how we should be loving. We shouldn't judge them differently from others that are living in sin. But are there any more practical things or advice? Because this is becoming more of a, I guess, common thing that we are seeing in the world now in society. Um, 
you want to share that? I think you should. Well, let me first share, and then Joanna, I had this question um, last night with some of the college students that I thought it was a good answer. Um, one of the things that I try to encourage people when it comes to these types of issues is that to really challenge your presuppositions. What I mean by that is a lot of times we are really shaped more by the world and the media and other things. And we don't challenge that. We think this is, this is it. But same with Christians. I, that's why I love challenging. I love Christians. That's why I love challenging church people. Because a lot of church people just assume like, oh, this is what it is. I'm like, why is that? And they're like, I don't know. My mom told me. That's not good enough. So I'm speaking to you Christians who believe in a lot of stuff, but you don't know why you believe in it. In the same way, I want to challenge those who have those kind of views to say, how did you come about that? Do you understand all that that's involved, whether it's science, whether it's uh, different philosophies? Do you understand what's going on? So once I in a lovingly build relationship, they know that they're safe with me to share it, then I do start prodding and just maybe poking around to say, how did you come to that conclusion? What is your belief on that? Where did you get that stuff? Even the whole thing, they say that there's a gene, a gay gene. I always challenge people, do you understand where that science came from? It was back in the early 90s when this uh, German researcher, in uh, 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 someone who's in the genetics, where he had an agenda where he wanted to try to say, how can we tell people it's, you're born with it? And so they actually did a research, but no other research scientist could duplicate. And any of you who have science background, you know when something is valid, when it's reproducible, and you have the data over and over again. No one could do it. So they're like, show us what you did. And he finally came out and said it was all a lie to have an agenda. So whenever everyone argues there's a gay gene, uh, you're going on a presupposition that is false. That's why I'm just saying that you have no credibility with that. So at least be humble enough to say maybe some of the stuff I believed in is just what I just believed in from what the media tells me. So, so in the same way, you should challenge Christians. They love you, but you should challenge them. And really ask them, why do you believe? Why is Jesus the only way? And so that's just my, I don't know what you want to say. I love you. Anyway, uh, praise God. Uh, Joanna can answer, I think. Uh, yes, I think for me, uh, I, I, I want to first say that this is not like, I know everyone has different views on this and different take on kind of how we come about some of the beliefs. Uh, but I think from my personal experience as well, just kind of talking through with a number of friends over the years who have kind of gone through similar experience is that... Um, like, I think the worst thing you can do in these situations, either if it's ourselves or if we're t talking with people, is is to identify with it. And I think that's something that we talked about even during the sermon as well, is that we, we call it SSA, but we don't say I am this or I am that. And I think um, because that's the worst thing you can do for yourself is you just kind of put yourself into that situation and say, oh, this is who I am now. Versus, um, I, I really feel like we live in a generation and at a time where all of us just want to be loved. All of us want and crave that kind of intimacy, um, crave that kind of like uh, to be known to be cared for and, and also we are also in a generation where we don't mind doing new things we don't mind trying and breaking boundaries and we are really encouraging young people especially to try out and to to do whatever um, kind of chasing after your, your your heart's desire type of thing so I think that's why I think 
a lot of times when we're exploring and when we are kind of getting into these situations, I think it's okay to feel certain things towards certain people. And But what you have to understand really at the end of the day is what exactly about that situation or that person made you feel that way. So sometimes it's more uh, in the season you needed something and that person happened to be there or they happened to have been able to offer you the attention that you needed or the care that you wanted or the, at that time you were just lonely or at that context you didn't have anyone else there with you and you just felt really understood. Um, and then you start your heart start gravitating and, and, and that's okay to feel those ways but I think uh, you really have to at the end of the day after exploring understand what is it that you are really looking for and how, what have you really found maybe those are the things that we are learning more about ourselves and as we move on from that kind of specific relationship then to the next you know more so what you're looking for and what you're what you really need but that doesn't have to be a specific type of gender right that doesn't have to be um, oh because my, the last person that I felt really connected with was a, was um, like, let's say for me it was a girl then I I am this now. Like this, this is all I'm ever gonna look for now. And that you start typecast your own idea. I think that is gonna be a dangerous thing for us. So I think um, if we're talking with our friends about these things, it's helpful to help them to understand what exactly kind of led them to that situation or led them to that decision that I made. I think that would be helpful. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, maybe just two more questions for the sake of time. Uh, we do have a question. So if you're in a relationship, how do you decide if it's God's will to continue the relationship if you're encountering these hardships? Because sometimes it's hard to know, right? Is God telling me that I should turn back or I should end this relationship? Or is it something that we need to persevere and power through? Um, so, I mean, maybe we can hear from both sides. People that have realized that they're the wrong ones and then ended up ending it and people that persevere through the hardships. Those of you who don't know, that's uh, Annie and uh, Joanna, and then, yeah. Um, Just keeping it real. Yeah. Start with the bad news first. Or the <laughs> bad news, and then the good news. It's all good news. You're not. You will end up with the right on, one. It's God, all good God news. God redeems all things. Um. I mean, I can share. Um, I think for us, like we fought like a lot about communication, and I think there were a couple times where. I think we both felt at different different degrees, like, what the heck? Like, who is this person? Why am I in this relationship with them? Um, especially, like, even after we got engaged, we were, like, planning for our wedding and different things came up. And I think, like, I think what helped me at least to really push through was the the way that we were able to work through the conflict. I think if we were not able to work through the conflict in a way that, we're able to reconcile with one another and then also point each other toward Christ, I think that would have made me feel a lot more hesitant to keep moving forward in that relationship. Um, but yeah, I remember there was one time where we were arguing about like the venue for our wedding and whether or not we should go for the wedding venue or not. And she really wanted to push for it. I felt really hesitant. And then like, <laughs> she lost the argument. But it wasn't about losing the argument, but it was more about like, how we brought it up with one another and how we disagreed. And then because, uh, like, we, we didn't talk for, like, a day and a half or something like that. And then because... You need space, I, right? Yeah, you need space. I said I needed space. <laughs> keep it real. Keep it real, Erica. Keep it real. Still bitter. Still bitter. Let me share my side of the story first, and then... Oh, <laughs> uh, should I counsel you guys right now? Um, I think it was, like, after that day, then we, when we talked, and we, we both came back saying, like, hey, we just felt, we're, we were able to share, like, different areas that we realized we were wrong, and then affirm the other person in the areas that, okay, we misidentified or miscommunicated in, and then, um, I think, yeah, just, even just, I know it's, like, kind of cliche, but also just praying together, and then committing that to God, I think that really helped us to, 
like kind of move forward from that moment. So I think it's just kind of like how you work through that. It's not the fact that you don't have conflicts at all, but it's like the quality of how you work through those things. And if it's positive, uh, I think that's usually helpful. Uh, I, I think from the perspective that I haven't worked out, uh, uh, I think I just don't understand year after year. I put myself through this. But, uh, <laughs> appreciate you. It's for God. It's for God. But I think, I think for, uh, I think for whoever's asking this question, it must be that you're going through things. You're in a relationship and you're trying to work things through, right? But then you're wondering if it's still worth it. And I think, um, like Pastor Paul said, I think relationships, marriage in general, they're hard work and it's never going to be you find the right one and everything just smooth sailing from that point on. Uh, so there are going to be a lot of work. But I think you have to really know your bottom line. And like, at the end of the day, you have to know like what is it, not just like what am I okay with, what can I do, what can I not do, but you have to really have a bottom line for what am I not okay with? Like at which point is this going to be no longer helpful and at this point is at which point is going to be like like you have to really uh, kind of take a step back and consider like is this still honoring to God first of all and like in our relationship are we still pursuing God are we still uh, pursuing the right things and kind of following the same track and also are we honoring each other and I think that's something that's going to be helpful for us to consider through all these evaluations as well right so I think if you have a hard check and, and that point is no longer like I no longer see marriage as something that this can continue to go on then by you continue to stay in that relationship trying to just work it out I think that's gonna not only not only are you gonna spend a lot more time but I think that's also unfair for the other person because if you already feel like your answer is no and, and you don't really see that as an option anymore to kind of continue to to drag it on I think that's gonna be dishonoring to the other person as well so I think at the end of the day you just really have to kind of have that hard check and really understand the bottom line of like where where is it just not going to be okay and there's I think when it comes to bottom line are also considering marriage too right there's also other things that I know there are family factors or different things that come in so I think um that's why it's all the more helpful to consider those things ahead of time, right? Before entering into a relationship, because those things not necessarily will change, right? Sometimes we feel like, oh, it might not work out, but let's just try it. And then, and then, but then actually that's going to be not only time, energy, emotional spent. And I think that's why we want to kind of help people to not go through that. Um, so, yeah. I think also just one thing that has helped is I think because I was like later, a little older, I think I had been taught and, and encouraged like it is about commitment so I think that framework and and that idea that it's a commitment it's not going to be easy not going to be perfect you're going to you're going to have issues and conflicts and so but is it are we able to really commit to this before God and to each other I think it just helped to give a more I guess a framework of like I'm not just looking for like situations that are good and bad and kind of being so like fluctuating in it but it's like okay I am committed I'm entering into it wanting to be committed I think helped to kind of navigate and realize this is how it's going to be in terms of, okay, even when it's hard, like, this is what I'm saying when I'm marrying you, like, I'm, I'm committing, like, no matter what kind of thing. And, and I think just, like, that's why we keep saying knowing ourselves is very important and knowing ourselves with a very sober mindset. Um, and I think that's why, I don't know if there are some people who are watching, like, getting older and women who or men too maybe um just feeling like discouraged but i actually do feel like i i'm thankful because uh not that it's like oh i just drag it on but i think the time has allowed us to understand ourselves better and we know what we need not just what we want and we know a little bit more of like yeah, have a more realistic understanding of ourselves and so yeah I feel like if there's anybody who feels discouraged like don't be discouraged <laughs> like I think God really knows what is best for us but we have to be able to identify and really be realistic about it too like okay yeah maybe this is not what I need yeah 
Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, maybe one final question. Uh, since we do have a lot of people that are in relationships in our ministry, in the focus ministry, um, I guess for more for the married people, how did you kind of figure out the planning and timeline for marriage? I know that there is somewhat of a running joke, like, oh, if you're in a Christian relationship, you get you get in a relationship, and a year later you're married, uh, six months for engagement. I know for some people that is true, but uh, maybe you guys can share a bit about what's the thought process behind that. How do you know the framework? How do you figure out the timeline? How do you plan for that, um, knowing that you are going to be in a God-honoring relationship that you want to pursue marriage? Um, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. I think we were pretty quick. Um, <laughs> we got engaged after nine months and then married nine months later after that. You seem a bit unsure of those time of that timeline. <laughs> she's unsure too, so I'm safe. <laughs> as long as she's unsure as well. Um, I think because, I think for our situation, when, when I approached her, I kind of already knew that I, I felt like ready to enter into at least the direction of marriage and, and the period of like dating or courtship or whatever you want to call it is just more confirming if that's the right direction. But I think our, our age also factors into that because by the time we started dating, I was like 29, you were 30, 31, something like that. Um, and so I feel like at least in terms of how we thought through our plan, it's kind of like think, think with that end goal in mind, like because we knew marriage was our end goal, we were thinking about, okay, what, at least what, how long do we need to kind of confirm whether or not this is the right direction for us? And then like with other factors like our family, um, kind of where we're at in our stage of life, and then uh, in terms of, well also we had to factor in like our families like across, you know, the world and um, visiting them and just making sure that we can actually introduce them to one another. I think those were things that we planned out. Okay, so we, we think that this would be a good date like a year and a half or two years later to actually get married by that time and have enough time to plan through it. And then it was kind of working backwards from that. So if we think that this might be a good kind of date to shoot for marriage, of course, you know, that, that's not set in stone. It's just more of a tentative thing. Then about what time would we consider getting it? And some of people are like, well, that loses the fun out of, you know, getting engaged, right? Because it, it kind of you know, spoiled. But I mean, you can still surprise the person about exactly when, but at least have a range or roughly about this kind of timeline that you would like to be engaged by and then kind of work backwards to say, okay, now then with these next couple months that we're actually dating, then it's intentional then. Then it's really important. It's purposeful. Every time you meet, then you're trying to figure out, you're trying to understand one another, you're trying to discover things about family background to know whether or not this is going to be the right context or the right situation for both of you. So yeah, that was kind of how we, we did it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, at least I was advised as well, like before being in a relationship, like even with engagement, I think engagement's one of those periods where you feel like, okay, this is it, like I'm, I'm on board. And so there's just more room for temptation as well. Um, and just kind of like that false notion that, oh, I'm going to for sure like get married to this person. So I think I was always advised like maybe like having an engagement that's so long, like might not be helpful. Again, one size doesn't fit all and it's for everyone. But I think that was also an advice that I got where, okay, yeah, I mean, I could see the value of that or like, you know, there is that practical time of planning for a wedding and everything. But if we can keep it to at least a reasonable length and I think it just maybe helps us also to prepare. And just to give one more like alternative is like some of our friends even I mean they're whether like it doesn't I think some people think that pastors just get married in within like a year after starting to date or something like that <laughs> mm -hmm. but we have other friends who um, it took them like three four years to go through that whole process and I think it really differs because for them like they had different family issues that they had to work through um, or some of them they actually had relational conflicts that they just didn't feel confident actually moving forward taking that next mm -hmm. step immediately that they had to work through so i think it, yeah it really depends yeah and just in closing I, I think that was the last question um 
If I could just encourage us, I think, once again, for me, I'm always going to the heart, your motive. And what I will say is a lot of times, some of us, when we think about like the timeline, it's all really about control. There are some of you like, well, I want to first develop my career. I want, I want to first buy a flat and then do all this and do all this. Like, how do you know? And then if you knew that, then you shouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place if you're not ready. So one of the things I try to encourage people is to check your heart. If it's an issue of control, then you might have to really rethink about that because you're not in control. God is. And as Erica was mentioning, I, I do highly encourage you. If you know that the temptation and the struggles, then I, 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 I tell people not to just get married just because of that. But like, if you already know, then why wait? Some of you are trying to look for this perfect scenario, and there isn't. And so sometimes you learn and grow through that process when you commit and then get married. And so, like I said, I'm not trying to push you to get married right away, but some of you have a relation for three, four, five, six years. And if you don't know by now, I really don't know what to say to you. And I'm, without knowing you, and I'm trying to be humble here, I would probably say being together with someone that long, there are probably a lot of sins that you guys are wrestling through with. Why? So if you already know, and even though you don't have everything all figured out, maybe this is where you have to try to move forward. And within the next couple of years to be able to kind of say, I'm going to get married, even though it might be young, even though it might be really old and we have to speed it up, whatever the case may be. As uh, the zoos were mentioning, there is no one size fit all. But go back to your heart. Where is that at? Where is it before God? I think that's the key. We want to close in this way. Uh, I know I've talked about a lot of things, and, and sometimes some of you is too direct, but those of you who don't know me, I just don't like fluff. I grew up in the south side of Chicago, so I like things that are blunt, up in your face, gangster, mafia style. So forgive me if I maybe offended some of you or stepped on some of your toes, but I like things direct, and I want to speak to you in this way. A lot of the things that I mentioned are just principles. How it's lived out is really what God is doing in your life and how you then follow in obedience to him and his voice. Not a pastor's voice, not because of someone's opinion, but it's God. And I just want to challenge us. There is no one way to do relationships, but there are ways to do it to please him, to honor him. And that's our heart's desire. I want to show you this really like a couple minute video, and I think it will be a good way to close out in everything that we're saying. It's a wonderful story, a powerful story, that they actually were on the Oprah a show to express it, but they're believers in Jesus Christ, firm believers. But they were on a trajectory of getting married. It was the love of their lives, each one. They, they, they found each other by God's grace. But something happened, and it began to test their commitment and their commitment to Christ. And my challenge for some of us is this. Right now, you might be like, oh, I really like this person. But what if something happens to them? Will you still love them? Or if they get into an accident and they get deformed or something happens physically, will you still love them? I think unless you're really tested and tried with some of the difficulties of life that you will face, you won't really understand how deeply you love somebody. So I'm just challenging us. Get to know the incredible love of Jesus Christ who can endure all things. And through that, you will then begin to say, I want to become more like him so I could be a better husband, a future husband, and a better future wife to my spouse that God has called me. So we're going to show you this video. And then at the end, I want to pray for you.
pray for the relationships in the focus ministry. And I, you know why I'm so excited about this? And I think also Pastor Bo and Erica, we're so excited because out of this group will come forth a strong covenant ministry, which is our married couples ministry. And so I'm praying that there will be great marriages that will come forth. So let's watch this video together, and I'm going to pray for you. I hope you enjoy the, the video. And to me, when I watched it, I mean, my heart was so moved. I don't know if I could have done that. And it's just reminding me of the gospel. That all of us, because of sin, we've been damaged. We have deformities and things that we're disabled to do. It's because of sin that has entered into our lives. But Christ Jesus loved us and accepted us unconditionally. This is the reason why it's such a powerful witness and a powerful testimony. This is what I'm praying for all of you as you're looking for the right one. That I pray that you'll find somebody who loves Christ even more than you. So that as they follow Christ and they submit themselves to his leadership, that this relationship that God will bring into your life will be one that you can honor him and glorify him. To those of you who are not believers yet, I want to challenge us. Maybe that's one of the first steps you have to make, to make a profession to say, I want to get to know this Jesus a little bit more. If this is so true, I want to get to know him, to make a decision. To those of you who are in a relationship, I pray that you'll make some good decisions so that it will honor God. Use your relationship as a witness to others around you. And to those of you who are single, which are many of you, and still maybe wondering, when, I, when is my turn? My question to you is, once again, it's the heart. Will you trust Him? Will you have faith that if this relationship is not coming, you're not going to force it? You're not going to try to do something on your own? But still being faithful and doing human responsibility by trusting that He has the person for you. And maybe right now, He's working on some other areas of your life. Because what you see, maybe one or two things, there's a thousand things that God is trying to do right now. So you can be ready in this, terms of this relationship. So I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will bless you and to begin to have relationships that honor Him. So can you just close your eyes for a moment and I'm just going to pray and lift up a prayer for every single person. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. And even though, God, for many of us, we have gone through pains of broken relationships. God, you're able to redeem it and use it for something that's good. You make us wiser and stronger. And God, for some of us who have never been in a relationship, we're still waiting and longing for somebody. God, I pray that we'll fall in love with you more and more. And through that, that you will provide somehow by your grace, bring that person that you desire for us to come together in a covenant relationship that you will provide by your grace. And I just pray that you will strengthen all the relationships in our church. Help us to see each other as spiritual family. And that we'll honor one another. We'll love one another. And to serve one another. Be devoted in that way. So that, Lord, that we care about our witness. And who we are and what we do. So, God, will you use every single one of us. And just allow this even good marriages to come forth. Even good families with children will come forth. So that we can reach out to those who are in desperate need. So I pray, especially for a a healing for any of us who have been hurt tremendously 
because of either bad decisions or other people have sinned against us. Father, I pray that you will do the healing work in their hearts and that they will see you, the Christ who loves us more than we could ever know. So thank you so much for today. We pray even further discussions can continue on. So we thank you. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.